Hello, this is episode four of this podcast. This episode will be broken down into three parts. This part is part one. The episode is called The Evil Moors Murderers, Ian Brady and Myra Hindley. The first part will look at the two killers in detail from their childhoods through to when they carried out the murders of five innocent children. The murders that were committed by Ian Brady and Myra Hindley happened between 1963 and 1965. The murders occurred in the north of England, mainly in the Manchester area. There are five victims. Pauline Reed, who was 16 years old at the time of her death. John Kilbride, who was 12 years old. Keith Bennett, who was also 12 years old. Leslie Ann Downey, who was only 10 years old. And lastly, Edward Evans, who was only 17 years old at the time of his death. I shall now go into some details on the evil killers now, starting with Ian Brady. Ian Brady was born on the 2nd of January of 1938 and was actually given the name Ian Duncan Stewart at the time of his birth. He later changed it to Ian Brady. Ian was born in Glasgow in Scotland. His mother Margaret was actually known as Peggy. At the time of Ian's birth she was an unmarried mother and she worked as a waitress. Ian Brady's father is not known, according to reports. Because there was hardly any support available back then for single parents, Peggy took the decision to give her son to a couple known as Mary and John Sloan, who also had their own children. Peggy did, however, continue to see Ian. Ian attended Shawlands Academy, which was, at the time, a school for above-average students. However, he left the academy when he was 15 years old to start work. His conduct at Shawlands had not always been very good and he had twice been up before the juvenile courts for suspected housebreaking. His first job was reported to be as a tea boy at a local shipyard in the area. Later on, he took a job as a messenger for a local butcher. It was at this point in his life that he had his first girlfriend. Not very much is actually known about this relationship apart from that Ian Brady had threatened her with a knife because she had gone to a dance with another man. Because of this, he went to court once again and was found guilty and put on probation. At this point, he was only 17 years old. Part of his probation conditions were that he had to go and live with his mother, Peggy. By this point, Peggy had married a fruit seller called Patrick Brady and this is how and why Ian Stewart became known as Ian Brady. Ian had to move to Manchester in England in order that he could live with his mother. Peggy had moved to England after she had left Scotland. However, Ian could not keep out of trouble for very long and within just a year of moving in with his mother and his stepfather, he had committed another crime. This time he was convicted of theft and sentenced to three months, which he served at Strangeways, which was a prison in England. Because he was still under the age of 18 after he'd finished his sentence, he had to go to a Borstal in London, which is a youth detention centre. This was to try and train him for his life outside. Ian Brady was released from Borstal in November of 1957. He returned to the Manchester area 
and he managed to find a job as a labourer. Ian had other ideas, though, on how he wanted to earn a living. He educated himself in bookkeeping instead. It would appear that manual work was not for him. He considered himself far too intelligent. After he taught himself bookkeeping, he managed to find himself a clerical job at a place called Millwoods, which was a wholesale chemical distribution company. Ian Brady was still working at Millwoods when he was arrested, as was his partner in crime, Myra Hindley, who had joined after him. Ian Brady was considered by his work colleagues to be a quiet man who was always punctual, but at times short-tempered. It was at Millwoods where Ian Brady would go on to meet Myra Hindley. Myra Hindley was a few years younger than Ian Brady at the time. She was born on the 23rd of July 1942. She was raised in Gorton in Manchester, England, which is where Ian Brady would end up living. Gorton was a working class area of Manchester. Myra's parents were Nellie, her mother, and Bob, her father. She also had a younger sister called Maureen. Myra's father, Bob, was an alcoholic as well as a violent man. The house that the family lived in was said to be in a very poor condition. Myra would go to live with her grandmother nearby when her sister Maureen was born. This was due to lack of space, but she would see her family, the rest of her family every day whilst growing up. Bob Hindley would encourage both of his daughters to stand up for themselves and to fight back against other children and not to give in and run away. Myra Hindley was known to be close friends with a boy called Michael who died in a tragic swimming accident when he was only 13 years old. According to reports at the time, Myra was shaken up by this and felt guilty for not being there to help him. Myra was known to be drawn to the Catholic Church when she was growing up and she had her first communion in November of 1958. Once Myra left school, she got her first job as a junior clerk at a local firm. She carried out basic tasks such as making the tea, running errands and also some typing when required. At the age of 17 years old, she became engaged to a local man called Ronnie. However, she later broke it off because she felt he was too immature for her and also that she wanted more out of life than the life that her parents had and other people around her. She felt that marriage and having children were not for her. In January of 1961, at the age of 18, Myra Hindley started a new job at the same company that Ian Brady worked at. She was a typist and he was a clerk. It has been said that when Myra met Ian, she quickly became infatuated with him, although he apparently did not seem to notice her at first. She kept a diary at the time and would record entries about Ian and if he had spoken to her that day or not. Myra, at this point, was still going out on dates with other men, although nothing serious. According to the diary that she kept, she spoke to Ian on the 27th of July of 1961 properly for the first time. But it was not until the 22nd of December of that same year that they both went out on a date. Their first date was to the cinema and Ian walked Myra home afterwards, but she did not allow him to enter the house at this point. He did eventually get invited into Myra's home just over a week later. They quickly became 
established as a couple and fell into a routine of going to the cinema and then going back to Myra's, the house that she still lived in with her grandmother. It did not take long before Ian Brady began introducing Myra Hindley to some of his peculiar reading material. Much of what he read was to do with the Nazis, which he appeared to admire to some degree. The other reading material centred on the work of the Marquis de Sade. The Marquis de Sade had been a French nobleman who had lived from the 2nd of June 1740 until the 2nd of December of 1814. He was most noted for being a writer who had written many books on different subjects but was best known for his more erotic work which covered sexual violence amongst other topics. He apparently believed in the freedom to do whatever he liked and carried out many sexual crimes and other abuse against young men, women and children throughout his life. He did not believe in morality, law or religion. sadist and sadism are derived from his name. Ian Brady is said to have found his work fascinating. It would also appear after his horrendous crimes came to light that he would share a lot in common with the Marquis de Sade. What Myra Hindley thought about all of this is not known but she could not have found it too distasteful. After all she did go on to help in the rape and murder of children very soon after. During this time, it has been suggested that Myra Hindley gave up on religion. Myra would later say that Ian had convinced her that God did not exist. When they were not working, they would go to the library on a regular basis to borrow books. The books that they tended to borrow were often to do with torture and crime and punishment, which they would then study. Ian Brady and Myra Hindley would also develop a very keen interest in photography. It is probably fair to say Ian was more interested in it than Myra overall. They would often take pictures of each other in pornographic poses. Before Myra met Ian, she was considered to be quite prudish, but all that seemed to change after she had hooked up with him. Myra at this point had a pet dog called Puppet. It was a mongrel, but she deeply cared for it. Myra and Ian would often take the dog on the moors and take photos of her, which in the future police investigation would become of great interest because at least one of the photos of Myra Hindley holding Puppet was actually used as a marker to record where Myra and Ian had buried a dead child that they had murdered earlier. According to reports, the first time that Ian Brady spoke to Myra Hindley about killing someone was when Ian told her about a film called Compulsion. He was apparently fascinated by the story. It involved the idea of two people committing the perfect murder. The boys or young men involved in this story thought that they were way too clever and would outsmart the police and would get away with killing a boy. But unfortunately for them, one of them accidentally left an incriminating piece of evidence at the scene. There is no doubt that Ian Brady considered himself to be far superior intellectually than the average person. He also had contempt for a lot of people and would not let many people get too close to him. 
Ian Brady was considered by many people who knew him to be fairly quiet and almost a broody type of person. Myra, on the other hand, was considered to be fairly friendly, although not with everyone, but that she seemed to change when she met Ian Brady. It would seem that, at first, all of the reading photography and trips to the cinema and the drinking of wine would have kept them busy. They both worked full-time as well. It is known that they would also go on long drives to the countryside, including trips to Saddleworth Moor, on a fairly regular basis. Ian Brady rode a motorbike and eventually Mario would own a van, which would make transferring their victims to the moors much easier. At one time, Myra had wanted to join a pistol club and she did manage to purchase a gun from a member of the club. It would turn out, though, that Myra was a poor shot, so she had to give it up. Ian was probably unable to join any club involving using a gun due to his previous convictions and sentences. The reason for purchasing a gun was to carry out a robbery, but that never happened anyway. Ian would also discuss this with David Smith. The photography really took off with Ian and Myra. Ian purchased an expensive camera and lighting equipment, as well as the equipment needed to set up a darkroom. Probably because the pictures of them without any clothes on and posing in a pornographic way would not have been thought a good idea to take down to a processing shop for obvious reasons. But with their new darkroom, they could develop all sorts of vile photos. It would also be a lot quicker to develop at home in those days rather than have to wait for the shops to do it and then you would have to go back to collect your photos. Myra had continued to live with her grandmother who was in her 70s at the time and Ian moved in as well in June of 1963. Before moving in with Myra it was thought that Ian had been staying locally with his mother and stepfather. It was said that Myra's grandmother spent a lot of time in bed, so did not have very much to do with Ian. Myra would look after her and take her cups of tea when she was home, but not very much is known about the dynamics within the home during this time. And although Myra was supposed to be sleeping in the spare room, she would usually stay with Ian in a makeshift bed in the front room. Myra Hindley, at this time, which was the early 60s, was close to her sister Maureen and would look out for her. Myra and Maureen would spend quite a lot of time together. Myra was also still close to her mother Nellie, but not as close to her father Bob, due to his heavy drinking and violent tendencies. Ian Brady would like to assert his authority on those around him. He often felt superior to others in his peer group. Ian had been reported to be a sadistic man who did not really care about other people's feelings. He began talking to Myra Hindley about his desire to kill a child. Whatever thoughts she had about it at first, clearly she went along with it and proceeded to help Ian Brady kill five innocent children. Ian and Myra would often take photos later on of some of their victims' makeshift graves, which were on the Saddleworth Moors, sometimes using themselves as markers, which is particularly evil in my opinion. Four of their victims were buried on the moors, and their fifth victim was originally destined to be buried there too, but luckily fate stepped in, or David Smith stepped in to be more accurate. During the two years or so that they were carrying out these murders, the couple would often spend any spare time that they had with Maureen and David Smith, who were by now married and had a baby daughter called Angela Dawn. The two couples would often drink together and sometimes the married couple would stay over at Myra's 
They would also often go on long drives and have picnics and plenty of drink. These outings would sometimes take place on the Saddleworth Moor. Although the bodies of three children were eventually discovered there and Ian and Myra were found guilty of killing them, there is no suggestion that Maureen or David Smith had any idea of this and that they were totally innocent, in my opinion, and most people tend to think that as well. Many photos were taken on these trips, showing the couples enjoying themselves. Often Myra's dog would be in the photos as well. Ian Brodie, it would seem, enjoyed the company of the younger male and David Smith seemed to look up to Ian and enjoy their time together and they both seemed to enjoy lots of drinking. Maureen and David Smith hardly had any money and it would seem that they could not hold down a job for very long. They had a baby daughter called Angela Dawn. Their living arrangements weren't the best either. They lived with David's father for a time. They did end up being housed in a flat in the area, but were often behind with the rent. David Smith was known to get into fights and would often be in trouble with the police. On some of the evenings that the two couples got together, Myra and Maureen would be sent upstairs to bed early and Ian and David would sit up drinking and talking very late, which would apparently annoy Myra because she could tell that Ian was becoming bored with her and was looking to try and bring David into their warped secret world. Maureen had known the first victim of Myra and Ian. She had gone to school with Pauline Reed, and they had been about the same age. It was said that Myra recognised Pauline as well, although she did not know her very well. The way that Ian Brady accepted the other couple into his life shows that he could socialise if needed and also act in a reasonable manner with other people. It would seem, however, that it was all an act. Ian Brady wanted a friendship with David Smith because he could manipulate him and show off his superior knowledge. It has also been suggested that Ian Brady was attracted to the newly married David Smith. It's doubtful anything happened, but there is evidence that Ian was bisexual. After Ian got to know David Smith a bit better, he began testing the waters in regards to criminal activities. At first, he talked of committing robberies with him, but it then moved on to murdering someone. They would talk about who they would want to do away with if they had the chance. David Smith would later say it was all bravado on his part after a lot of heavy drinking. It was during this time that Ian boasted to David that he'd actually already killed somebody, but David thought he was just drunk and talking rubbish. Ian also told him that he had buried some bodies on the moors, but once again it was put down to heavy drinking and talking rubbish. This was probably frustrating for Ian Brady, especially if he was looking to recruit David Smith into his killing circle. The initial excitement that Ian Brady apparently had with Myra Hindley was clearly now not enough, because in the end he would try and force David Smith's hand. This would lead to the killing of 17-year-old Edward Evans, which would ultimately end in disaster, not only for the poor victim, but also for the evil killers Ian Brady and Mara Hindley. Throughout the two years or so that they were murdering young children, they still managed to carry on with their normal lives, such as attending work and socialising with family members. Nobody, it would seem, suspected them, of having anything to do with the missing children. The disappearance of 
the first four victims were not even officially linked until after when more evidence was found when Myra and Ian were arrested. And at the time of her disappearance, it had even been suggested that Pauline Reed could have run away from home. The evil pair carried out the murders between July 1963 and October of 1965. They only stopped then because the last murder had gone horribly wrong for them. They hugely underestimated David Smith, in my opinion, and just thought he would go along with their sick acts. But luckily he did not, and he brought the whole thing down. This is the end of part one. Parts two and three will be out later this week. Credits go to Wikipedia, Crimes That Shook Britain documentary, Murder UK website, also from a very good book on the case, Beyond Belief, written by Emlyn Williams.